Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. This is our second EG Property Podcast focused on talent, on how to attract it, how to capture and how to retain it. And in the case of this episode, how to get it back. I'm joined on today's show by Lisa Unwin and Deb Khan, two women who've made a career out of promoting and empowering other women. They've done so practically through programs and courses, and they've written a really good book on it. Check out She's Back, Your Guide to Returning to Work, available, of course, on Amazon and all other great bookshops too, no doubt. Over the next 45 minutes, Lisa, Deb and I talk about why women are more likely to leave their professions, why that is happening more now, and what that lack of talent means for an industry and how we make sure that it comes back. We also talk about the value of older, more experienced people in your business, taking a career break when you're still reasonably new to your career, and why more women need to talk about their business acumen, about what value, and by value I mean cold, hard income, they bring to business. This is a wide-ranging conversation with tips, advice, and a little bit of swearing. And it's not just for the girls. This stuff applies to everyone. One little word of warning, at times Debs' connection is a little bit rubbish, so you might need to lean in a little, as it were. So, you know what to do. Either grab a cuppa, lace up your trainers for a little outdoor time with your favourite podcast, or whatever else you like to do while consuming your regular EG Owl treat. And enjoy. I am very excited to introduce to you my two guests for today, one of which I've cycled quite a long way with, um, and she's still allowed on the podcast, so that must mean we had a good time <laughs> on a bicycle, um, and she's still talking to me, which is great. Um, the other is uh, a, some, a brand new um, person for me to meet, so I'm really interested to to understand her views and opinions on everything that we're going to be talking about today, which is of course about talent, about making it rain, which um, both Deb and Lisa will tell you about in a little bit. But instead of me rambling on, I'm going to pass over to Deb Khan and Lisa. I'm going to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about their background and then we're going to launch into what I know is going to be a really fascinating conversation. So passing over first to you, Deb. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, we did cycle rather a long way and you were incredible and terrifying equally. Um, my name is Deb and I started my own business about about um, early 2000s, debcon.com and that was specialising in driving growth for creative companies. Lots of advertising, marketing, tech companies and I started working in your world about eight or nine years. That is word of mouth and I specialize in pitches and growth and branding and story and leadership. That's why I've worked with some engineers, some Sterling Prize winners, some landscape designers, and that's been fascinating. Before that, I had a career in education and in theater, and I've sort of combined all of that. I now have a job again after working for myself for a very long time. I'm part-time vice president of culture at Cano Computing, and I also maintain my business one or two two days a week with existing clients. Um, I got to know Lisa as a parent, as a mum at school, and she came up with an incredible idea, and I've supported and worked with her in that, and it's been a brilliant learning and really important part of my life, um, trying to support other women in the world of work. 
Fantastic. Thanks, Deb. And that is the perfect intro. Over to Lisa. Hi, Sam. Um, so, yeah, I, I, my start of my life uh, in professional services, I had a 20-year career as a management consultant before I walked away from a career at, uh, in, in 2008. I flounced out because I didn't get a promotion I was expecting and my kids were little, my husband was a lot. And my nanny had signed and I just thought, I'll, I'll look after the children myself. And, and they were four and six at the time. And no one took me to one side and said, these children won't be four and six forever. Mm-hmm. So fast forward six years, I found myself listening to the Women's Hour Power List and thinking, oh, my goodness, what happened to my career? Um, I Yes, I had 20 years behind me, but that's not quite as important as the 20 years I now have ahead. And I, and I looked around and saw there's so many women like me that had got so far in their careers and then either stepped aside or stepped back. And I founded a company called She's Back to shine a light on the potential of that, that group, of, of a very large group of women. And Deb and I did a lot of campaigning together. We did a lot of writing. And subsequently, I, I also founded the Reignite Academy, which specifically helps female lawyers return to careers in private practice. And, and that's what I'm doing today. Fantastic. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Deb. So we the, the first um, episode of this this series around talent, um, uh, talking with Jane Hollinshead, we, we touched a little bit on the number of, of women that are exiting the business world as a result of a downturn, as a result of the pandemic. And those numbers are actually really frightening. And I'd love for us to get into a conversation here about you know what? Why are we seeing that that happen, and what what is the impact of that? And and how, I, I always put too many questions together, so apologies. <laughs> and, also, and and also, you know, how do we? How long do those women typically leave for? And how how do we get them back? Too many questions, but let's try <laughs> to pack them. Shall we maybe begin with with why it's happening? Um, yeah. I think there's something very unique going on at the moment, and um, a lot of it is around the fact that women bear the most re- most responsibilities in the home for things like homeschooling. Now, that's hugely oversimplifying it, but I do think it's one of the biggest issues, and certainly in the US, a lot of women are leaving their careers because they can't cope with keeping their careers going and homeschooling. And I think the same the same is going on here. But I think if you look not just at this pandemic, if you look back at at previous crises, things like the 2008-2009 financial crash, I'm now working with people who with women who stepped away from their careers then. And and that time it wasn't necessarily um, in response to them losing their jobs. It was it was sometimes it's taking an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm actually going to use this to press reset and to think about what I do next and maybe try something different. And I think in some senses, women are a little bit more creative and um, willing to do that, uh, which is a positive thing. Um, but, I, but I definitely would say that I think today it, it is in response to the, the excessive burden of, of, of all the stuff going on at home that women are carrying. Deb, what I, do you think? Um, to add to that, absolutely, so to add to it as well, I think things are very tough across, you know, I, I work across a few sectors and it's very challenging. And I, I, I think women can sometimes have a pragmatism about about that and say, well, there is an opportunity for me to rethink. If there's a decent package on the table, if there's a potential redundancy or resettlement, I will use that to really you know, reflect where I've got to, 
what does the next stage of my career look like? So I'm seeing lots of that. I think I don't want to underestimate the toughness and also involved in a couple of big competitions at the moment, master plans. It's unbelievable the volume of entries on those. I think it's, it's tough out there. And I'm not, you know, I think people said, you know what, unless I'm really ready to fight, why don't I think about myself? Um, and use this opportunity and we've only got so much time so much energy and if you are um, a caregiver whether it's for children whether it's for parents keeping things together I think people are turning mirror on themselves and saying right stop let's use this let's use this for me I guess my, and I um I come at this from a position of naivety because I don't have children. I don't have to look after parents yet, apart from the normal, you know, saying, don't click on that thing in the in the email, mum. Fraud. Um, mm. But apart from that, I don't have to, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a caretaker. And so when we talk about sort of the burden of, of, of having to look after kids or parents and that winning out against professional life, my brain can't compute can't compute it and I know that's because I'm naive but is there is there also this inherent I guess um stereotypical behavior that you know women are the caretakers men are the rainmakers I, I think I think statistically enough I can't point to the exact research but there's plenty of research to say that 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 is the case professional women tend to marry professional men who tend to be a tiny bit older than them and so this is like <laughs> sweeping generalization alert <laughs> but the, the statistics the research does this does bear this out so yeah. by the time they start to have children um the the man is sometimes is often earning a little bit more than the woman so they make this 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 calculation that just looks at the cost of childcare and compares it to the woman's salary despite the fact that the child has got two parents and they go oh you know what we will one of us will look after the children and it's usually the the woman and what happens then is this thing called occupational downgrading even if women stay in work they take a they take a less challenging role because they've got this burden of, of childcare. And, and, and i mean it's, it's not it's, it's a joy as well as a burden you know they actually want to bring their kids up funnily enough mm. nothing wrong with that but they end up working below their potential now, and, and I think things will change on that front when men start taking more parental leave, but certainly that hasn't been happening for the last sort of 15, 20 years. The challenge, though, is that having downgraded occupationally, it's tremendously difficult to then upgrade again when you are freed from the, the burden of, of small children and you actually find yourself with more time on your hands and more ambition. And that's the bit that, that with She's Back and the Reignite Academy, Deb and I have been trying to do something about to make sure that there is an opportunity for people to upgrade as and when the, the, you know, the, 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 the opportunity arises for them in their own lives. So let, let's talk about that then. How, you know, how, do, we, how do we approach the, up, the upgrade? What do... At what point are who are coming back? Um, as we know, there as all women do. Let's face it, and um, there is a, a lot of talent out there. How do we bring it back? How do we make people um, feel that they are going to be accepted? That they're going to be given the um, input and investment that's needed in them to upgrade them? Because ultimately they will deliver? It's a great question. First of all, I'll do a blatant 
um, promo for our book here, Lisa. Mm -hmm. That's right. Lisa and I wrote a book. I was probably omitted to tell you in our introductions. Uh, it was. It, it's done very well, and we're you know, it was up for an award and things. Um, I think first of all, the women need to kind of start to think about what their value is in the workplace and do some work on themselves. So there's some fundamentals they can get in place, like their LinkedIn profile, getting their CV up to scratch thinking about how they've demonstrated value and impact, researching, you know, what's going on in their sector. That stuff isn't hard nowadays. You know, it's a click of a finger, that kind of basic digging into uh, how has the world changed? There are other things as well that they can really react, build their network, reactivate that network and, and start to be more upfront. From, from an individual perspective, I'm not going to um, pretend it's easy because it isn't. But, you know, there are there are certain personal responsibilities that we can take. And there is so much support out there for that free support, free resources we can do. But there's no denying that. I, I think it, it needs to come from Ben first. And I'll, I'll shift on to Lisa for the, yeah, to, I think to build on that. I would I'd say it absolutely has to begin from them first. And, and mm. the, uh, just to give you a story, I, I um, for our book, I uh, interviewed Jenny, a friend of ours who had returned to work as a teacher. I think she'd been out 14 years. And I, I remember asking her, well, you know, what made you decide it was time to go back? In honesty, it was time to go back a good three years before I actually did it. But I, I told myself it was, wasn't the right time. Time had moved on. The kids wouldn't survive without me. The family wouldn't cope. She said, because if everything did go on perfectly well without me, then, then what was the point of me and what had I been doing for the last eight to ten years? Um, so it very much begins in your own head. And it's about, I think, accepting that you've still got ambition and that's a good thing. And that, that there are those 20 years ahead and you do want to do something more with them. And, and learning to quell the, the negative voices in your head that say, oh, I'm too old, I'm past it, I've left it too long. And, um, and, and, and I think there are some great role models out there and lots of networks and people who will help with that. But it has to come from the individual to begin with. <laughs> And it's now a time that the, for those those women when they're thinking about, you know, make, making the move themselves, given that we are in a period of time where where DNI is really high up the agenda, where people are looking for fresh thinking, a different view of things, is now like the perfect op opportunity to, to seize that moment. And, you know, even if you are thinking, mm, well, I don't know, you know that there is there are, I'm not going to say um, open arms mm -hmm. out there in the industry, but they are, you know, not as um, tightly wrapped around their chests as they once were. I, I'd say, I think, I think it, ironically, it, it really is a perfect opportunity at the moment mm -hmm. for, and, and but not because DNI is at the top of anybody's agenda. DNI is, it only, DNI is just. Uh, where do we start, Lisa? <laughs> Don't get me going. Where do we DNI? start on Lisa with the DNI? Reason <laughs> the reason it's a perfect opportunity, there's a few things. Number one, um, remote working. We used, when we were trying to place lawyers back into private practice firms back in February this year, and you would say to a law firm, oh, would it be okay for this person to work from home one day a week? You would get chapter on verse on why that was not possible and why their business couldn't function with people working from home and how why everybody had to be in the office. I mean, that if the pandemic has done one thing, it's blown that out of the water. So suddenly working from home is fine. The other thing that I think is different now from what it might have been 10 to 15 years ago is that... Um, 
you, there are no longer gatekeepers. You can, if, if you used to work with someone 10, 15 years ago and you want to get back in touch with them and, and talk to them about potential opportunity, you can, you can contact them. They're, they're probably at home. They're not on a plane anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, LinkedIn is a great way of finding out where people are and who's doing what and, and people are willing to help. And, and you don't have to go through some secretary who's going to answer somebody's email. You can actually connect, connect with people directly. So that, I think it's a really, really good environment for for people to be a bit more agile and to use the, the networks that they have and the skills that they've had and everything they've done in the past to get themselves on back on, back in the game, if you like. And Sam, just just being really clear, we, we're we're talking about women who not necessarily have, have paused as well. They may have just been treading water for a mm-hmm. bit, or you know, it's just this opportunity to dial up. But that. This, you know, remote working now works at scale. That's what we've proven, as Lisa said. There are no excuses. I've just, just been much more up than there. I don't, I'm really mixing these metaphors <laughs> here, but hey, we're rolling with it, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, do you think as well, because we now all have this, this digital footprint, I suppose, and Lisa, you talked about how, you know, there's no gatekeepers. You can get to people um, really easily. That I see as a as a great enabler but it's also potentially a blocker for a lot of people you know particularly if you might if you haven't just been treading water if you have been out of the market for for some time the way we have um evolved digitally and technologically could be and i'm putting words in people's mouths here could be a a barrier as well Mm. as an enabler I think it's a barrier, but only in their heads. So I've spoken to people who, you know, I, I get contacted a lot by people who want to get back into work. And, and I say, why are you on LinkedIn? Oh, no. They're faffing about on Facebook, but they're not on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is where the jobs are. And so I sometimes say, well, why, why aren't you on LinkedIn? And uh, there was one woman I was talking to not too long ago who said, oh, well, I'm not on because all the people I used to work with, they're all now really senior and really important. And, and, and I feel a bit embarrassed that I'm not. I was going, right, OK, those people that you used to work with who are really senior and important, they will help you. They would love for you to get back in touch with them. So get yourself on LinkedIn. And, and, it's, and, and if, you, if you're not sure about how to describe yourself, find someone else who does what you do. Go and look on their LinkedIn and profile and copy it. I mean, it's like, not obviously not copy it. Don't say things that are not true. But the, the tools are there for you to use. Um, the doors open. Sorry, uh, Sam, I'm not sure if I sort of mis- misunderstood your question. But another thing is, could it be seen as intrusive? Could it be seen as... Um, uh, that's sort of an immediate response to, to your question. I think, you know, if it, it, it's semantics and sensitivity, isn't it? When when I set up my business 20 over 20 years ago, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew what I didn't want to do. And I met an amazing, and I had an amazing mentor, a woman who worked at the National Theatre, who gave me six people. She said, offer to buy them a cup of tea. You know, <laughs> that's how long ago it was, pretty analogue. Mm-hmm. And and just say, uh, I'd love to buy you a cup of tea, spend 10, 15 minutes. Um, I'd, I'd really love you to listen to what I'm trying to do. And the question was very simple. Do you, do you know anybody who you think find my skills useful? And out of that came every single piece of work for about the next 12 years. Hilariously, my, my, first, my first corporate um, client was Arcadia. Pre-Philip <laughs> Great, I know. Clearly went well. Um, it was great, actually. You know, they, they were a very good client for a few years. But 
but just having that courage and as Lisa said, you know, as Lisa said, and and find the way to say this, you know, I'm I'm this isn't easy, but I would really appreciate five, ten minutes because in my experience, people want to help. And if you if you've done that bit of pre-work thinking about what value can I add, what value did I have, what impact can I make, you know, really identifying your skills, maybe coming up, you know, with a couple of ideas. Also, you know, you've thought about their challenges, you've thought about where you might add value. People generally are absolutely wonderful because it makes them feel good by helping. It's, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty basic, isn't it? Paying it forward and all that kind of thing. Absolutely. Which brings me to um, the importance of of tribes, I suppose. And Deb, you and I have a mutual friend in um, Ms. Emma Sinclair, the wonderful Emma Sinclair, yeah. who talks a lot about, you know, sort of her her sort of tribe of of founders and the 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 amount of um, um, or how, how much she uses them and they use each other and they mm-hmm. connect each other and that tribe grows and grows and grows through, through a mm-hmm. network. So I wonder how, for, for you, how important it is that, that people returning to to the world of work, and I get, you know, this applies to men as, as much as women, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That, you know, they, they do utilise those tribes that they had. And Lisa, you said about, you know, you, um, one of one of your clients being worried that if she went on LinkedIn, all these people had moved on and she she hadn't. But mm-hmm. you know, that's a that's a perfect tribe there, ready for mm-hmm. you, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we found out. <clears throat> we did some research um, that found that you were five times more likely to find work through your network or your tribe or you know through people you know yeah. than you are from a recruiter. And that is absolutely definite for every opportunity I think I've ever had has been has come through somebody knowing somebody else and putting me in touch. That six degrees of separation rule mm. absolutely worked. In fact, I was running some training recently and uh, it was it was for people wanting to get their careers back on track. And we were doing the, the module on on networking. And I was talking about someone who is a super connector, like she knows everybody. And I said, oh, this this woman, Sonia Tulane, QC, every, every time I was um, talking to somebody doing some research, everybody mentioned Sonia's name. So I don't actually know her, but she's obviously a super connector because she's so well known in that world. And I finished the training module and one of the women on the course, uh, she emailed me straight after afterwards saying, would you like an introduction to Sonia? So yeah, yeah. How do you know her? Oh, I know her. She's one of the mums at school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, there's, you know, it was perfect example of how you don't realise who knows who. And again, um, my job, but working in tech, this was, I, I hadn't anticipated taking the job again. And when I was offered this job, I spent a long time <laughs> really thinking about, oh, how on earth am I going to say I work in tech? Um, I'm not 23. I don't know how to code. But I, my, you know, my support network was invaluable. Just really playing, bouncing off those ideas. There's that tr- that trusted group of people you can say, "Am I an idiot? Will I will I feel old? What, you know, what do you think I have to gain in this situation? What do you think my gaps will be?" And finding those people that building trust with those people and finding them and hanging on to them for dear life. They they are like. For me, and I think for all the women I've ever worked with, they're your life raft. They really are, because, and by trust, I mean somebody you feel safe enough to share your problems with, um, some, that somebody you can you can say very openly. Um, and you've been a part of that in my life, in a, probably a way that you don't fully understand, Sam. Um, but I've found that, and 
also, when people look at myself, look at me and the work I've done with my business, I, I've had people very overtly say, oh, how, do you, how did you get your clients? Generally, the subtext is, can I have them, please? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the real question. And I have to be brutally honest. I go, you know, even though I can help with strategy, my strategy was work incredibly hard, be really nice, stay in touch with people, help, 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 help. So I don't hesitate to do those introductions, to send people something I find interesting or useful, because I, it's a lovely thing to do. It's a very good habit to build. And it always, always comes back even if it's just you at three in the morning, thinking, oh, I did something nice today. Well, it, it's rewarding, isn't it? Sometimes, Completely. You know, more rewarding than a big paycheck sometimes to know that you've done done some good and had, mm. had an impact, even yeah. if it's just on one person. <clears throat> mm. and, and I think what you can you can also say, well, I could monetize that. You could be bright, brutal. I mean, you know, I could be a recruiter. I've just recommended somebody from a job. It will pay. It will pay in a richer way, as you say, Sam. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I wanted to um, talk as well about what um, people coming back to the industry bring as well to in wider industry. I know we're, we're, this is for a real estate audience, but um, but I think it applies um, much wider than that. I had a a couple of years ago. I um, I don't know how I got away with this, but I ran a um, panel discussion at um, MIPIM UK. Um, so a bunch of um, local authorities, developers and investors um, over at Olympia. And the session was about um, the menopause, um, <laughs> which I, I, Lord knows how I got away with it, but I did. But we were talking about the um, um, the how we were losing women, really good women in the industry to the menopause how we weren't designing buildings that um, made it easy for those women to remain in work and how we weren't in practices. But um, one of the conversations that I had after um, the session was um, with someone who said that actually industry is missing out on a, you know, a group of, of women who have been through the menopause, who have had children, yes. yeah. who, know, who are really yeah. smart, know how to manage adversity, know how to deal with annoying kids and bring them up and you know they're not they they don't want to be mothers anymore but they know how to get shit done and mm. uh, and people are saying oh well you know you're a bit too old now or or they're or those people themselves think oh well you know over the hill or whatever it might might be but there's mm. a there's a huge amount that people who might have been out of the industry for some time can bring back just through their life experience and sometimes hormonal experience <laughs> I think Where one of the things is, they, they, one of the things Deb and I have often talked about is that they represent the, your clients and customers. I mean, they make decisions. <coughs> Women make a lot of decisions about which house to buy, what car to buy, what holiday to go on. When we, you know, when we used to have holidays, they, they make a lot of big ticket buying decisions. And if you, and they, they, that is one very, very tangible value that they bring. What I've also seen in in my clients is sometimes the, the the women that go back because they're older, um, they they sort of have a wise head on their shoulders. They don't flap when you know a client's complaining about something, or or indeed we're going through a pandemic. Been through, been through the 2008 2009 mm. downturn. They've been through Y2K. They've they, they've lived these crises before, and all of them are different. But they know that you have to pivot. You have to reskill. You you, you there will be a future. 
Um, so they can be they can be a wise head internally as well as giving you insight into what your end customer or end client is thinking. I think if if a woman if a woman tends if a woman tends to have ambition in her forties and fifties, that woman will um, have developed characteristics of resilience, as Lisa says, of grit. Uh, you said get shit done, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, that was I remember I was doing um, a session with an Alan and Overy, and that was what one of the senior lawyers yeah. said to us. Lisa, yeah. she said, "Well, women get shit done. They because they tend to be incredibly efficient." usually because they they have multitasked. They've spent the last 20 years juggling, you know, running three different calendars, um, school calendars, personal calendars, work calendars, that they tend to be efficient and they have hard stops to their day. So they get shit done. There's a fearlessness as well. You, you, you give less, as a sh- less of a shit as you get older. I mean, I have no qualms about going into certain situations. I hope that doesn't imply that I'm insensitive or, but, you know, I, I had to do a a very kind of brutal kind of analysis of a master plan this week I've never met the guy I had to start by going I'm going to be really brusque because I want you to deliver this brilliantly and you know that's I, I was thinking about you know my younger self I would have danced around those words for at least 10 or 15 minutes but it's not a fearless an arrogant fearless it's it's knowing that you know we're all fragile we're all fighting tough battles so there's, there's the combination of fearlessness, resilience and wisdom. I also think you bring a very, very rich network as well that you utilise mm. pretty much. I mean, I'm constantly tapping into mine. For, anybody know, anybody got a creative who can specialise in this? Somebody know, um, I need I needed a lawyer in the US, a very specialist lawyer in the US. Bang, but three, three taps of, of various networks I'm involved in, I got to them last week. So you bring lots of those things. I think there's a there's a you know in um in real estate and I'm sure in law as well and in many um professional industries you know there's there's a lot of this chat isn't there about the old boys club club but I think and particularly Deb I think of this for you and I in that um Padel WhatsApp group you know there's an amazing women's club as well isn't mm-hmm. there and I, I think it, in through that just that one little group how far that network goes and how how quickly and how easy it is to say oh I need I need to speak to someone here or does anyone know someone who might be able to help me with this or has got insight on that and that it's um I mean it's faster than even the fastest internet yeah Yeah. and I think we're a bit late to the table on that I think it's so heartening when Deb told me about pedal and it sounds fabulous but I think for too long women have not been good enough at that we've we've not we we we're not good at using our network. We're good at really building a network and connecting with people and having lots of people that we know, but actually leveraging it is mm. not something we've always been good enough at. Mm. Now, now, before we um, go on to talk a little bit about um, your Rainmaker programme, which is really uh, interesting uh, and something that, um, you know, I'm really I'm really interested in just um, because it's, it, you know, sort of sits, sits uh, alongside, long, well alongside um what eg is trying to do with the our future leaders program but before we get to that um we've talked here about um i guess sort of women who have been in the in work for some time then left it for some time but situation with the current pandemic that actually we're seeing quite a lot of young people who are reasonably new to their careers thinking do you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break as well mm, and yeah or or at least you know battling with that idea of I'd like to do something different but you know what happens next is there 
are, are there different discussions that we need to have around that set of of individuals that they don't just go and, and don't come back but they can uh, go do something else bring more experience back and, and not be afraid that they will have to start them I think that's a great question Sam um, because when we, we called our book she's back and in hindsight uh, I was thinking we could have put kind of brackets around the s because that that story that narrative of your career not being a straight line is one that's going to be increasingly common. So for reasons you've just pointed out as well, you know, the, the reality of starting in, in your career at 22 and that following a sort of linear path for, for many, many reasons is, is not necessarily one that's desired. Um, whether there are different conversations, I think is, is a very, very big and rich topic. Some of the basic 101 things apply, you know, build your network, think about your value, identify your skills, um, nurture that network, be, a ge be generous in your actions towards people, be, you know, develop a growth mindset, be open to learning, <coughs> keep yourself relevant. That's, that's Lisa, feel, feel free yeah, to no, disagree as ever. I think all of yeah. us, they're, they're sort of, um, we, Deb and I used to, when we were delivering sessions to, to for, for, for women, we always talk about, you've got to play the long game. Mm. Um, so, and, and in that long game, you know, have a, have a, have an eye on what what the ultimate goal looks like, but that's going to change. But there are certain tactics that are going to that will stand you in good stead, which are about your network, continually learning and growing, uh, adding to, you know, being super super clear on where you're adding value, um, and those things will will get you where you want to be. And I, and I do think it's right. People won't have jobs for life anymore, so so developing those skills is very important. It's interesting, isn't it? I was talking with um, with someone just last week, and we were talking about recruiting. And you know, in the in the past, you would have looked at a, a CV, and if you'd seen a job change every so often, you'd think, oh, not sure about this person. They can't stick with it. Whereas now, I mean, that's pretty much the norm. And I think I think if some if I ever move jobs, uh, if they fire me, at e.g., um, uh, uh, you know, someone would look at my CV and be like, well, she's been in the same place for her. What's wrong with her? <laughs> Definitely. And but and staying relevant, staying relevant, staying engaged. That's again, it's it's back to individual responsibility on that one. But I, I think one of the I, I um, and also I would say being really super clear on where you're going to earn some money. Yeah. And that's I think one mistake sometimes people make it. And I, and I have a bit of a beef with coaches sometimes because they talk about going away and following your passion and thinking about what your values are and chasing mm -hmm. your dream and that's all well and good but you've also got to be clear on on how you're going to make some money yeah. which is that's all well and good help. if you've got a trust fund isn't it <laughs> oh that's one of the that was one of the starting conversations for she's back a number of years ago where you know i i had people i knew coming to me saying shall i start a yeah, interiors design. I'm saying incredibly reductive and rude stereotypes, but interior design or, or cupcake business. And I'd go, how are you going to monetize this? Yeah, have you have you run your own business? And then you'd find, hang on a minute, is there another opportunity and you can start that on the side and, and dial it up while you're bringing the money in? And what that that brings us perfectly on Rainmaker, of course. And and I wonder if you can talk us through. What the program is and then also I'd like to I'd, I'd like to continue with the money theme which I think sometimes stereotypically we think is 
the dirty word when we think about women in business but mm. you know we don't think of it as well maybe a little bit as a dirty word when we think about men in business mm. but tell us about about rainmaker what uh what a rainmaker is and and what you're what you're trying to do through the rainmaker program well the, the genesis of it came from it was basically because lockdown happened uh I, back in March I found myself with more time on my hands than I really wanted and started to put some thinking into something that I intended to do for a long time which was thinking about forget helping people get back into work what's happening with people that are in work and why aren't women not making it through to the most senior levels mm. in the professions and by that I, my, my the professions I know well are accounting consulting and law but I suspect the same is true of of real estate as well so I'm, correct me if I'm wrong but often those places are pyramids and only a certain proportion of people get to the top and strangely it's it can be 60 40 at the bottom women to men but you look at the top and it's always something like 80 percent men 20 percent women or 70 if you 30 70 30 if you if, if, if you're lucky so my question was what could and, and, and you can campaign till the cows come home to change those organizations but I view that you, what you also need to do is you need to look at the women the people are not getting through and think about what what else do they maybe they're not doing today that will get them through to the most senior levels and um and, and Rainmaker was about saying, OK, the people that do get the most senior levels, they do so often because they're bringing in business. The businesses can't function without them. They have to they have to have business, people winning business. And it's the people winning the business that get to the most senior levels. So how can we help more women be in that position? And that's that's where Rainmaker came from. Deb, do you want to? Yeah, I think um, at least this is the line, you know, uh, it, things have ne never felt more precarious, not for a long time. And as as businesses are starting to kind of, you know, reassess, refine, really think about what do you want, like, can we run leaner? Can we run tighter? What do they do? What, what, what do they start to look at? They start to look at kind of assets, costs. And my experience was that um, women were it was less common for women to talk about themselves in, the, in those ways and really understand some of the more harder edged tactics in work even though I, I I've led um, leadership training and I've been offered lots of leadership training really focusing on on that kind of well how are you becoming an asset how are you developing those behaviors those skills that demonstrate your value and worth what does that look like what's the what's the hard edge stuff that I've got to develop that's where I came from and and helping women in pitches you know I've worked I worked with the wonderful Velo City team I wonder if any of them are listening you know they um the uh, who won that that competition and I had them when they were preparing for the for the triennale in Norway. I, I remember sort of rolling my sleeves up with them and saying, "I'm sorry, but this is all about people who are going to buy this as a concept. Who's our audience right now?" And I just remember I think Sarah Featherston looking at me like, "Ah, this is a bit too hard edge for me." We were talking all about community and connectedness and and cycle pathways, and I said, "No, we're going to talk about kind of you know selling this in." because it's a wonderful idea. So it, it, the genesis for me comes, comes also from really seeing those women in, in those situations, thinking, what can I do to try to accelerate some of those incredible women and, and help more of them really, really land business so they shore up their roles? And this, again, must be another perfect time, isn't it? Because we talk so, that ESG is so high up on everyone's agenda. 
and we talk about profit and purpose being you know being able to be done together not um, one against the other so you know being doing doing the nice stuff the good stuff the worthwhile stuff can come with with income attached to it and there's nothing wrong with that in fact that's great yeah well and and, i mean let's be clear without income businesses are going to fail so you can't criticize leaders for rewarding the people who are bringing income in especially if they are also demonstrating the sorts of values and behaviors that you you espouse as a business um so i think and i i just think we well because deb and i are quite long in the tooth we've observed a lot of women in business who think it's okay just to do a really good job and they think that if they do a really good job and don't make a fuss someone will come along and notice them and then they get really upset when the bloke sitting opposite them has also done a reasonable job, but has also been spending his time going out telling everybody what a good job he's done. Now, on the one hand, you sort of say, well, that's showing off and I don't want to do that. But if by telling everybody what a good job he's done, he has created more demand and therefore brought in more work, then that's fine. And we just need women to be a bit more hard nosed and a bit more commercial about themselves and their role and the contribution they make. And it doesn't. That's sorry, okay. sorry. It doesn't. It, and, and you can do that authentically. You can, do, you know, you can maintain your style, whatever that style is. It's doing it in a way that's truthful and comfortable. <coughs> uh, I remember Lisa telling me about Reignite Academy when she said, when I worked as um, when I was a partner, and when I was sorry, you didn't speak in that weird voice. I don't know why I did it, Lisa. But um, you know, I remember. And I always thought I wasn't very good at selling because I didn't fully believe in what I was selling when I was a management consultant. Give me something I care about. I will, you know, which is the value of women who've had a break into into law. I can sell in, watch me. And and that it was wonderful watching that sort of transformation in Lisa and that sort of the way she observed it. And I just want I just want more women to be able to sort of have that opportunity. And I think that's great. And I think, you know, some of the the feedback that I always get when um when I'm doing um things around around women and and you'll both know that I'm you know really passionate in in the in the industry to help um help sort of rebalance I su- I suppose and and sometimes we'll go to these sessions and there's there's um talk about you know oh well you need to be more more like the guys and and you know to an element we you just it's not being more like the guys it's being more professional isn't it and being mm-hmm. being business focused and as you say thinking about br- you know bringing in the money making it making it rain and you can still be absolutely yourself and, you mm. know male female whatever you want to want to be it's just about really focusing on what is what is success to you and what is success to the the place that you're working for and how do you sh- really showcase your your value and you know we work in a in a world or the world that we live in still it that still exists is 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 money money focused we have got you know that is our our um currency isn't it we don't mm-hmm. we don't trade on on kindness sadly and in, incredibly competitive as well and maintain the kindness but know know what the full rules of the game are and yeah. play it on your terms we, um, we at, at Arthur Anderson many moons ago, which is where I, I worked when I first started. We, <clears throat> we had a, everybody had an appraisal at the end of the year, and, and we used to talk about four cornerstones, and the cornerstones were people, quality, risk, and sales, or something like that. And um, quite famously, somebody wrote a book about Anderson and said it wasn't four cornerstones; it was three pebbles and a brick. 
and the brick was sales. That was what always rewarded um, over anything else. And, and I think it went a bit too far at, at one stage. But without, without the sales and without the income, as I said before, there is no business. And actually, when you start to... When you start to sell, if it's something you believe and you're connecting with really senior people and you're actually influencing them and, and selling them an idea and changing their minds, it's really, really, it's, it's really worthwhile. It's really motivating. And then, then you get yourself in a position of power when you can bring other people through, uh, which is tremendous. Mm. Um, but it's by getting that power that you can then have more influence. Absolutely. Fantastic. So... So without um, giving away too much of the, the programme, have you got maybe three top takeaways that you would give to our listeners if they want to, if they want to either one, get back into, into the world of work, um, two, they're in work, but they want to push themselves up further, and um, three, I guess, just an, an overarching takeaway for anyone, male or female, to to make sure that they are delivering the very best that they can for themselves and for for their business i'll have a go um the first thing i'd say and this applies whether you're in work or returning to work you've got to nail your 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 pitch your own personal brand so we used to get people emailing us myself and deb saying um wonder if you can help me i'm a mum I've got three kids, I'm looking for part-time work, and eventually by about the fourth paragraph, they might tell you what work it was they were looking to do. Now, I've never found a business that is looking for a mum with three kids who (laughs) wants part-time work. They're looking for a commercial solicitor, they're looking for whatever, they're looking for somebody who can solve their problems. So the first thing you've got to do is is really nail what it is, what's your personal brand? What are you interested in? What do you deliver? How do you add value? And having done that, what you then need to do, if you think about um, a graph with a y-axis and an x-axis, you've got to concentrate on the x and the y. And the the y-axis is thinking about how do you develop your reputation so that I can say I'm an expert in women's careers, but what have I got to prove that? Have I written things? Have I spoken at things? Have I? Does my LinkedIn profile demonstrate that? What's the depth of my reputation? But then the x-axis is your reach. How are you going to get more people to be aware of you and what you do? Uh, is that through speaking at conferences? Is it through network? A lot of it's through your network. What do you do on LinkedIn to build that? Um, so th- those three things, nailing your brand, building your reputation and extending your reach. Excellent. Um, Thank you. Lisa does an X and Y. I, I tend to use a sort of three <laughs> circle. <laughs> She's my, I do a sort of three concentric circles. It's, you know, start, exactly. Start with what you say about you. Second circle, who do you say it to? Then the golden circle is the outer one. Who who says things about you to others? Um, and because unless you're clear about what value you add and how you can accelerate, you know, and help them solve their problems, that that you're not tapping into that priceless outer circle, which is which is where the work comes from, as well. Definitely. Um, we also we do the art of the pitch as well because I, I remember my my first um, architect client with Mikhail Riches when over eight years ago when we worked on um, it was a housing scheme in Suffolk and David turning around and said to me we were never taught this stuff architecture school nobody teaches to sell in our work and I said do they expect the, um, the panel to be wowed by the beauty of your design 
yeah um i'm sure they do um so i'm sitting there and I, i'm a resident and I've, I've just got six wonderful schemes in front of me how do i differentiate them so really really honing the pitch and thinking about landing what matters and your, your points of difference and how you like value that that's a key part something and there's, there's wonderful resources out there give it out for free look at um gar reynolds have um Presentation Zen is a wonderful resource that I use a lot. Fantastic. There's a, a tip for free. So, so, so I take away from that as my, um, I, I said in the first, first series, first episode of this, this series, that actually by the end of the podcast, I felt like it had been a bit of a mentoring session for me. It was meant to be in front of people, but I walked away from it thinking, oh yeah. Uh, and I'm doing the same with this one. So, um, so from this, I take, you know, don't just don't just tell your story, sell your talent, prove it, prove that you have that talent, show people it. Have a look at how far you can um, broadcast that that talent. So examine your your reach. Make sure you have people who are going to sell that for you uh, on behalf of you, really sell your talent talent to others to further um, extend that reach and know what it is that makes you different. Mm. Um, everyone mm. else and if you get all that right then you are unstoppable or should be yeah and be a nice continue to be a lovely person in the middle of it all and be, be a nice kind. be yeah. kind but be kind and I don't mean that in a soft and fluffy way be I, a kind I, generous person be kind always but mm. do the other stuff too <laughs> Deb, Lisa, thank you so much for this conversation. I know Pleasure. we could go on and I, I, you know, I would I would love to con continue and I'm sure we'll have these conversations further down the down the line. If people want to get in touch with either of you to find out about Rainmaker or just to, to tell you that they're a mum of three and are looking for a part time <laughs> job. Uh, <laughs> uh, what should they do? Where can where's where's best to connect with with you? My best connection is on uh, LinkedIn. Because that's Lisa Unwin. You find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best place. Uh, Lisa, Lisa's fantastic on LinkedIn. I'm not, um, but LinkedIn is probably the easiest way, rather than give out our emails, which people probably don't have a pen or anything analog like that. LinkedIn direct message or connect yeah. with us. Fantastic. So check out um, Lisa and Deb on LinkedIn. And um, we really hope that you enjoyed this this conversation today and we'll see you again. Or we won't see you, but we'll be uh, broadcasting to you again on a podcast soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data. Music